Pittsburgh Steeler fans. Welcome back to another episode of Steeler Stat Geek. This is behind the Steel Curtain editor Dave Schofield coming at you again Thursday morning, schedule release day. Uh, sorry if I'm laughing a little bit, but uh, yeah, that's all because of what happened uh, Tuesday night on the Scobro show. I, uh, I I couldn't. I was so flustered. I didn't even know what day it was, and I start introducing the show as Steeler Stat Geek. Um, and if you didn't catch the show, go back. I didn't edit it out. I didn't cut it out. Um, I just thought it was kind of a fun moment between my brother and I. And uh, what what happened was when I went to, <laughs> when I went to run the podcast, there was an error for it to go on Facebook Live. So. I was flustered by that, and it, it took a long time through the show. I finally got it figured out technically uh, while we were going, and it was all good. But it, it's just funny. I had to, I have to second guess myself now whenever I go to the say, say the name of the show. But this is Steeler Stat Geek, and this is Thursday morning, and I'm excited to know the Pittsburgh Steelers schedule for 2022. I really am. There's a lot of rumors out there of what the schedule is. There's some that might carry a little bit more weight than others and some that might not. Um, I'm going to go ahead and and hit you up with a couple of these right now, just for the fun of it. Um, It's reported the Steelers are opening on the road again against the Browns. I know I say again, because that would be eight straight years. Um, It's funny because the blame goes around here. One, I mean, last year, it, it's funny because they're like, was Art Rooney really complaining about that they weren't? In? I mean, if you mention anything that you don't like what the NFL does, just even saying, well, we'd like to open up at home, that's complaining because you don't speak ill of the NFL or King Roger will rain down on you. So the fact that Art Rooney II even said something meant that they're getting kind of tired of opening on the road every year. It'd be nice to, to start their season at Heinz Field. It's it'll now it'll be eight years, eight seasons in a row if they don't get that opening game. But the only way they can get it this year is they got to play on Sunday night football or Monday night football because once again the Pirates are scheduled. No, they don't they don't share a stadium, but they do share parking facilities. So the two teams don't go at the same time. Um, so you have they have to to go off that schedule. Steelers can't have a one o'clock or four o'clock game on opening weekend at home. I, at least I don't think they could do a four o'clock game with a one thirty five um, first pitch for the Pirates. But uh, so the NFL could come through for them and give them a primetime game. But it looks like they're going to open on the road um, is the safer bet. And it has been reported that they're going to open up at Cleveland. Unsubstantiated reports. These are just some of the rumors flying around. Um, another big rumor flying around is that uh, it, mid-season, week 10, they would be at Baltimore. Um, and then the other t- two games that are more, let's just say there's more credence behind these being possibly being true, is finishing up the, the season at home against Baltimore in week 17 on New Year's Day, a 4 o'clock, you know, 4 p.m., sorry, 4.25 probably kickoff. And then the last week of the season would be going to Cincinnati. Uh, wouldn't be surprised to see the Steelers open and close on the road. They've got the extra road game this year. They had the extra home game last year. It's still open and closed on the road. Um, but that's what, what those are. There's some other rumors floating around, like the like you know hosting the Jets in week two for a one o'clock game. Uh, week four could be going to Miami for a one o'clock game. There's reports of 
week six, which is, you know, the middle of October of hosting the Raiders for a one o'clock game. Then there, there's a rumor of, of three straight NFC games starting in, in uh, week 12, which is the you know, Thanksgiving week, but they wouldn't be playing on Thanksgiving, that they go to Carolina for a one o'clock, host the Saints for a one o'clock the next week, and then travel to Philly for a 425 game. Um, the, the, that would be the second Sunday in December. All these are rumors. All these are rumors. There's one more that I really hope isn't true, and that's a 425 kickoff at home against New England on Christmas Eve. Most of the NFL games are being played on Christmas Eve because Christmas Day is Sunday. That's what they normally do. There's going to be at least two, likely three, games on Christmas Day. There'll be a, a Monday night game the day after Christmas. There'll be a Thursday night game leading up to it. I was When I did my schedule prediction, I was hoping for that to be the Steelers' Thursday night game because, man, that would be great to not – you know, the one time you had to play on a short week, you get to avoid Christmas. But that's not what the NFL is going to do for the Steelers. But, man, as someone who has season tickets and lives out of town, there's no way I can go to a 425 Christmas Eve game when I have little kids at home. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get home till 3.30 in the morning and then have to, you know, do Christmas Day. But to me, Christmas Eve is more of a holiday than Christmas Day almost, um, just in, in, in preparation. So I'm not a fan of that one. I'm hoping that was not true. But I just thought I'd give you some of these rumors just because, well, the schedule hasn't been released yet. Um, it'll be released tonight, 8 o'clock on, I'm pretty sure, NFL Network, saying I have an article that says where it's being shown and can't remember where it is, but I'm pretty sure that's where it is. Uh, but there's been lots, a number of games announced, tons of leaks out there. There's some teams that like their full schedule has been leaked, like the Ravens. Um, but you don't know if these are true. Last year, there was a full schedule for the Steelers that was leaked. Yeah, like half of it was true. So the thing is, oh, well, you got half of it right, but you have no idea which half is right and which one isn't, which part is, which isn't. So that's what kind of makes it fun. So just thought I'd talk about that. Mini camps kicking off. Um, uh, tomorrow, Friday. I know Jeff Hartman's going to talk about that on Let's Ride on Friday, I'm pretty sure. Uh, so let's roll into our topic. And the topic today is actually, it's funny. This one was brought to me by one Brian Anthony Davis. He started to do some research for his uh, The More You Know article or segment or, of an article. He does a Sunday article that's just got some great information in it uh, behind the, the com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Bad gives us two great articles on Sundays. Uh, you, you've got that one and you've got the week that was. That's two of my favorite articles um, that, that both run on Sunday. So if you haven't checked those out, make sure you do. But uh, part, of, part of what he does with this one, he has a trivia section. He's just got some different tidbits of information. He does Steelers birthdays, all kinds of great stuff in this article. And he was looking up stuff about wide receivers and what they did as rookies. And he thought there was some interesting information. He's like, you might want to talk about this on Stat Geek. So I'm like, I can do that this week, Brian. Thank you very much. Almost had Brian on as a guest. I really did, but I, I needed to answer the other question that I didn't get answered last week. And I knew if I brought Brian on, we would just have such a good time and be talking and laughing that I'd, ha- I'd have to skip the question again. And I, and I want to make sure I get to that. So, uh, you know, maybe sometime I'll have Brian on just for fun. But the other reason is I'm scheduled to have a guest next week. Yeah, there'll be another guest uh, and, it's, and it's not someone from BTSC. It is specifically a stats guest. 
So you're just going to have to tune in next Thursday to, to, to see what that's all about. So uh, hopefully that uh, that guest, everything's still, I mean, we're all lined up for everything. Hopefully it, it doesn't, nothing changes in the next week and we'll I'll be bringing that to you next week. If not, then I'll have an announcement for you next week of, of what's going on and hopefully we can bring that to you at some other time. So let's get to this question. It's about wide receivers drafted by the Steelers and what they do in their rookie season. Under Kevin Colbert. So what's, you know, the Steelers under Kevin Colbert have, they have a reputation of being really good at drafting quality wide receivers. Now you can't get them all right. Yes, I know. There's always going to be times where you just remember Lima Sweet. It's just, it's just what it is. You're going to remember some of those picks. But for every Lima Swede, you you have someone on the other end of the spectrum. You know, I'd say an Antonio Brown, but man, Antonio Brown just kind of, you know, broke the mold there. Not necessarily his rookie year, though. So that's something to remember. Because the Steelers drafted two wide receivers in Kevin Colbert's final draft. Well, what, what we assume, because... You know, he says he's stepping away. They're hiring another GM. You know, I don't think he's going to Tom Brady it. <laughs> and next thing you know, Kevin Colbert said, like, maybe I should come back for one more run. I, I don't think that's going to be the case. But until they hire a new GM, I'm not going to rule it out. But in his last draft, he drafted, you know, him, Coach Tomlin, the entire Steelers organization. But, you know, this is under the general manager. Two wide receivers. And what can we expect from them as rookies? Now, you're saying, well, maybe it's a lot to ask a lot as rookies. Well, guess what? We're we're worried about this season coming up. That's what we're focused on. So, yeah, we want to see more from them down the road. But what's going on with them as rookies? So then it it kind of turned into a all all rookie wide receiver team under Kevin Colbert, looking at his legacy of drafting wide receivers and kind of how these guys – where they where they fell out based on a number of statistics. So I will tell you right now some of the numbers under Kevin Colbert. So since 2000, the Pittsburgh Steelers have drafted 26 wide receivers. So in 23 drafts, 26 wide receivers. Were there drafts there that they did not draft the receiver? Yes, there was. 2003, 2004. That was two, you know, two years in a row. That that's the last time they've gone two years in a row without drafting wide receiver. Uh, let's see, they did in seven, they did in eight, nine, ten, two thousand eleven. They did not, and then they didn't. Then they did every year up until twenty twenty one. Then in twenty twenty two, they drafted two. So let's look at some of these twenty six wide receivers. There were two of them who did not ever play a game. Okay, they just they didn't meaning a regular season game. Of course, preseason doesn't count because you've got a lot more players in the roster and things of that nature. But there's two of them. Um, one was fourth round draft pick Fred Gibson, wide receiver out of I hate to say it, Georgia, uh, did not play. And then the other is Chris Taylor, which was uh, out of Texas A&M. He was a seventh round draft pick in 2001. Um, didn't didn't have anything where where either one of them ever played in a game, not just for the Steelers, but in the NFL. All right, so there's so there's two of them down. We're down from twenty six to twenty four. Then I'm going to knock two more out of here because guess what those are the two the Steelers just drafted. We don't know what they're going to do in the rookie year yet. So that already gets us down to twenty two players. So sorry, George Pickens. Sorry, Calvin Austin the third. You you don't count here because you don't have any NFL games yet. So then the Steelers are down to 22 players that that was drafted by the Steelers 
And those 22 remaining all appeared in at least one game in their rookie season. Now I've got to talk about a disclaimer about two more. Two more of those players did not play with the Steelers their rookie season because they were released and and uh, and and gone on to their to their other respective teams. Those two players are Tony Clemens, who was drafted in the seventh round of 2012. He actually played with the Jackson four games with the Jacksonville Jaguars as a rookie. And then the other one who was actually more successful was in 2000. Okay, see, so hear me, 2000. It was fourth-round draft pick Danny Farmer out of UCLA ended up, instead of with the Steelers, ended up with the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay, played 13 games, started two as a rookie, had 19 receptions, 268 yards. So that's his numbers. So if you throw those two out, you're down to 20 players. 20 wide receivers drafted by the Steelers appeared in a game in their rookie season. Now there's two more then who did not have a reception. Well, one more that didn't even have a target. Willie Reed appeared in one game, uh, didn't even have a target. Uh, That was in 2006. And then Lee Mays in 2002 played in 16 games, had two targets, but no catches. So now you're down to 18, 18 wide receivers drafted by the Steelers, played their rookie year, and had a reception. So let's look and see at who our top five are based on various stats. Let's start with the biggest one. The wide receiver that that had the most yardage in the rookie season. Before I do, I've got to throw out there um, – that that uh, Dree Archer was considered a wide receiver when he came out. So he's among these numbers, but you're not going to see him um, much in in these in any of these stats. Uh, but he could be brought up, and I just want to throw that out there now. The top five yardage for rookies, wide receivers, drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Number one is Juju Smith-Schuster, 917 yards. So the Steelers have never had a player that they drafted as a wide receiver have a 1,000-yard season as a rookie. So that's that's just one thing to keep note of. But now in today's NFL, that could be a little bit more likely. But Juju Smith-Schuster in 2017 had 917 yards. Second was Chase Claypool in 2020, 873 yards. Third was Santonio Holmes in 2006 with 824 yards. Fourth was Mike Wallace in 2009, 756 yards. And last, not last, but fifth um, out of those remaining, uh, Deontay Johnson in 2019 had 680 yards. Uh, There was one other receiver that did go over 500 yards uh, as a rookie, uh, and that was Martavis Bryant, had 549. And the other one that was close was Antoine Randall with 489. So those are the numbers when it comes to rookies and it comes to yardage. Okay, Here's another one that I thought was interesting. Who started the most games as a rookie? Now, you know with wide receivers, it depends on the formation and everything. But who started the most games at wide receiver as a rookie of a player that was drafted by the Steelers? That would be Deontay Johnson. He started 12 games his rookie year. Uh, Plexico Burr started eight. Juju Smith-Schuster started seven. Chase Claypool and James Washington both started six. So that's one thing, you know, actually getting on the field to start the game. Here's one that's interesting. What about targets? What about targets? 
the most targets of any rookie wide receiver drafted by the Steelers under Kevin Colbert. That would be Chase Claypool with 109. Deontay Johnson was next with 92. San Antonio Holmes with 86 was third. Juju Smith-Schuster was fourth with 79, followed by Mike Wallace with 72 targets. Well, those targets, you would think that the receptions probably kind of fall in line there a little bit. They almost do. They almost do because Chase Claypool, he had 62 receptions, most ever by a rookie wide receiver under under Kevin Colbert um, for the Steelers. Deontay Johnson, 59, not far behind. Juju Smith-Schuster, one behind that at 58. So Juju was down, was, was I think, fourth. Was he fourth in targets? Juju was fourth in targets, but moved up to third in receptions. So who got bumped out? That was Santonio Holmes. He had 49 receptions. Um, which is something you could talk about, like catch percentage, and we actually will. And then fifth, fifth most most receptions by a rookie wide receiver drafted by the Steelers under Kevin Colbert would be one Antoine Randall L with forty seven. So that's pretty interesting. But the most interesting of all is touchdowns. You know, Chase Claypool was one with nine. Now these aren't all touchdowns; these are receiving touchdowns. Because I know Chase Claypool had eleven. He had two rushing touchdowns as a rookie. But Chase Claypool had nine his rookie season. Martavis Bryant had eight. And remember, that was in ten games for Bryant's because uh, they didn't play him right away. Juju Smith-Schuster was next with seven, followed by Mike Wallace with six, and Deontay Johnson with five. After those five players. Nobody else had more than two touchdowns their rookie season after being drafted by the, by the Steelers. Okay, yards per game is interesting because Juju Smith-Schuster was the tops there, but it went Schuster, Bryant, Claypool, Holmes, and Wallace. Those were the top five there. But the other one that I th- also thought was interesting was catch percentage. Who had the highest catch percentage, meaning the most receptions based on their targets? The number one for the Steelers in their rookie season? Is one that's kind of surprised me. He was Antonio Brown. He had an 84.2% catch percentage as a rookie uh, after being drafted by the Steelers. Second was Juju Smith-Schuster at 73.4. Antoine Randall was 72.3. Dre Archer was 70. He was 7 for 10. But, you know, remember, he wasn't necessarily a wide receiver. Um, Deontay Johnson was 64.1. And I'm going to do the next one. I'm going to go, although it's technically sixth. But if you throw Dre Archer out, it would be fifth. With a 60% catch rate as a rookie, that was Lima Swede. He actually had a 60% rate. But, man, if you look at the bottom and come up, ooh, my goodness. I mean, Lee Mays at zero because, you know, he didn't catch any of his targets. I would said that earlier. Tony Clemens, that doesn't count because he was with Jacksonville, remember. The one that actually was the lowest of someone who caught passes it was Plaxico Burris. He only caught 33.8% of his passes as a rookie. That, and that was that was the worst, with uh, James Washington being the next worst, worst is 42.1. I just thought some of those numbers were interesting when it came to looking at the Steelers and, and their rookie wide receivers. Brian just mentioned that there were some good numbers there, so so I did it. He was telling me some stuff. I was able to find some stuff. He compiled some of that. I compiled the rest. But uh, that's kind of a pretty good legacy when you hear some of those names um, under Kevin Colbert of, of wide receivers that he drafted. And that's still – Players, I mean, think about that. Of all the players drafted at wide receiver by the Steelers, only two of them never played at all. Two of them played for different teams. And then and and then two of them didn't have any catches. So if you think about that, 
that's pretty good that a lot of those receivers were at least getting in the mix a little bit as rookies, which as you can see in other positions, that's not always the case. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to take our break. And when we come back, I'm going to answer that question that I didn't get to answer last week. It's not going to take a whole lot of time. So that's why we went a little bit long in the first section, because it's, it's about not just what colleges the Steelers drafted from, but where they had the most success drafting from. So we'll answer that one uh, when we All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, we are back to answer this other Steeler Stat Geek question. Whew. Before we do, a couple things I, I got to say. One, make sure you listen to all of our podcasts, you know, on the whole channel. If you're not, well, let's just say this. At least sample every show. If there's a show in there that you haven't been able to catch, um, then make sure that that you at least catch it one time because you might be missing out on something golden. I just have to tell a little story that, you know, we when we were running our contest before, which uh, just the way it worked out, someone won the contest and then it wasn't actually able to go. It was kind of disappointing. But anyway, one of the things that they said was there was a show that they had never listened to before. And they did just in order to do the contest. And they couldn't believe that they hadn't been listening to, to, to one of the shows. I'll, I'll even tell you, it was what Yin's talking about, which is one of my favorite shows. So that's kind of what I'm trying to encourage everyone is you might see a show and like, I, I don't know about that one. At least check them out one time. And then if it's not your thing, then stick with the shows that are your thing. You might find that you like every show. I mean, there, there's not a show on our network that I won't listen to. So make sure you're checking out all, all the shows that you can, and you're checking out BehindTheSilkCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. I will say this. Tonight is the special preview night uh, where we will be talking about the schedule release after it comes out uh, with myself, Jeff Hartman, Brian Anthony Davis, and we will give our way, 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 too early game-by-game game predictions of the schedule because we will have the schedule. Let's dive into this question. This question came to me from Nathan Smith via email, which reminds me, if you want to email me a question, it's strsuperfandad at gmail.com, or if you want to reach out to me on Twitter, it's just strsuperfandad. But Nathan said this, hey, Dave, can you do what school has the Steelers been – have the Steelers been most successful drafting from? I know that's kind of subjective, but thought it might be an interesting post-draft topic. Thanks. Love the show, Nate. All right. So I did this, but of course, because it's subjective, you, you got to find a way to do everything. So here I, I set up parameters. I just got to tell you this. I set up parameters. First thing I did, only going from 1970 on. I'm going from the merger uh, before that, the Steelers stunk anyway. <laughs> I mean, I know that kind of takes away Mean Joe Green in 69, but uh, which was, to me, the the greatest draft pick by the Steelers of all time, simply because that was the pick that changed the franchise. That pick changed the franchise. But uh, So he's not going to be in here, but uh, 
I went from 1970 on because that's one of those great cutoff dates of, you know, of the merger. And what I did is I'm using pro football reference like I often do. That's what I use for a lot of my data. And they have a metric that they call, um, it's their, it's called weighted, it's, they use their, I've talked about it on here before, their approximate value, where they, where they assign a numerical number based on how well the season a player had. But then they also have what's called weighted career approximate value. And the way that works is that your top year counts as 100%. The second best year counts as 95. The third best year counts as 90. And they, and they bring them on down. So the more years you play, the higher your score can get. But the better you play, the higher your score will be. I decided to use that measuring stick and do the top 100 Steelers or players drafted by the Steelers when it comes to their weighted AV score by pro football reference. So in other words, they would be considered the top 100 players drafted by the Steelers. Now, players drafted in 2019, 2020, 2021, they're probably not going to show up because they probably don't have a a high enough um, AV score. I will tell you this, the cutoff was 38. The cutoff was 38. Anyone that was 38 or above was on there. Now, this is also a career score. So some of these players might have had a lower score just with their time at the Steelers, but then went on. For example, a player that got included because he had a 38 score is Javon Hargrave. But Javon Hargrave was a pro bowler this past year for the Philadelphia Eagles. So he's getting some good scores there, but he was also drafted by the Steelers in the third round. Um, Another great example of someone that's going to be up here is Hardy Nickerson. He had a score just as just being with the Steelers would have been just below the cutoff. But then you add in those extra years that he had in Tampa and they did really well. um, That, that, that just goes, um, adds more to his score. So those players are included. They were drafted by the Steelers. They still went on, if, even if part of their career was somewhere else. I did not count that against them. And honestly, it's because I couldn't really filter it out um, was the other reason. So let's get to these numbers. Because what I decided to do was I only looked at schools that had at least three, at least three players drafted from them that that finished in the top 100 in AV score for the Steelers since 1970. So there were some other schools that had two that aren't going to be here. Um, let's see. Here's a great. Here's here's my honorable mention. I'll give you my honorable mention. Here's a school, and the reason it's all honorable mention is you'll find out why. Wisconsin Steelers had two players out of Wisconsin that made the top 100. They're like, oh, okay. Was that is that really right? well? The reason I'm pointing them out, one of them was a Hall of Famer in Mike Webster, and the other is the reigning defensive player of the year in T.J. Watts. So even though it was only two, that's still pretty good. That's still pretty good. So what I did, top 100 for the Steelers, how many schools were there? There were two schools that had three players. Those two schools were Florida, Florida, University of Florida. Those three players were Max Starks, Marquise Pouncey, and David Little, linebacker David Little. Um, those, those, those were the three. So that was Florida. The other one is I would put them ahead of Florida and maybe even ahead of a couple of the other ones in the four category because it includes two players from the hall, that are in the Hall of Fame. And that would be one 
University of Southern California, USC, because the reason that they had three was that there was, in 1971, there was guard, guard Jerry Mullins, and, but then that was also Hall of Famer Lynn Swan and Hall of Famer Troy Polamalu. So that was a school that the Steelers did pretty well drafting out of. They also had Juju Smith-Schuster in there in 2017. Not in the top 100, but, uh, but you know, pretty, pretty good player to go along with that. Then, moving on to the teams that had four. And just so you know, for these that are tied, I did them in alphabetical order, so I didn't make it seem like one was better than the other. So here we go. Do-do-do-do. Teams that had four. Florida State. Florida State had four. They had um, – J.T. Thomas in 1973, Chris Hope in in 2002. Now, remember, his his career wasn't all with the Steelers. Um, here's another one that's career wasn't all, always with the Steelers and came back, but I was surprised was in the top 100 for the Steelers. Orpheus Roy. Orpheus Roy out of Florida State. And then, of course, Lawrence Timmons. So that one are some names that you're like, well, maybe they, they didn't do the most of the Steelers. Okay. Well, then we'll move on to another one that was four. And that would be uh, one Jeffrey Benedict and Andrew Wilbar would be loving this one. Da, 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 da. The University of Michigan. University of Michigan, which was in 1990, wide receiver Chris Calloway. In 2007, Lamar Woodley. In 2002, Larry Foote. And in 1975, defensive back Dave Brown. All of them were from the University of Michigan. Then you also got other players more recent, like Devin Bush. We'll see if he can turn it around and end up on this list someday. But for now, that is not the case. The next college, there's, there's two more colleges that have had four, and you can probably pick what they were. Okay, so so far with three of them, we had Florida and USC. With four, we had Florida State and Michigan. And then we got the two more state schools, one of which is do 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 Ohio State. We have Ohio State because now this is a, once again a little bit of a disclaimer. They ha- you had Santonio Holmes in 2006. Now he didn't play all of his career in Pittsburgh. Um, then you have 1991 wide receiver Jeff Graham. 1997 didn't have much in the in in, in the AV score with Pittsburgh, but went on to a great career in New England with Mike Vrabel. So, you know, found a good player, just didn't have him pay off for the Steelers. But then, of course, we have the current defensive captain in Cameron Hayward. So I know you look at something like, yeah, but there's not all those, those players uh, did that. But then this last one, I would say, is up there because guess what? It's another one of those schools that has two Hall of Fame players from it. And that would be one Penn State that the Steelers drafted in 1987, defensive tackled Tim Johnson. In 1992, defensive back Darren Perry. In 1972, Hall of Fame running back Franco Harris. And before that, in 1971, Hall of Fame linebacker Jack Ham. So those are the colleges with four players drafted from the Steelers in their top 100 of the career AV, regardless of where they played throughout their career. So to recap one more time, the threes were Florida and USC. The fours were Florida State, Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. You're like, wow, is there any more? Yep, one left, one college left that has five. And you're like, wow, look at all Ohio State, okay, Penn State, Florida State, USC, Florida. Where else could it be? Where else could it be? Brian Anthony Davis would probably know this one because this is one that would, would maybe surprise people, but it does make sense, especially in the 90s. Because I will tell you, four out of the five were in the 90s from the University of Colorado, University of Colorado with five, because it was wide receiver Charles Johnson in 1994, 
Um, linebacker Gary Campbell in 1976. Nose tackle Joel Steed in 1992. Quarterback Cordell Stewart in 1995. And linebacker Chad Brown in 1993. So those, and just so you know, Charles Johnson he had a 39 AV score, so he, he, he squeezed in at the bottom uh, just ahead of some of those others. So there you go. If you just use those numbers, because it's arbitrary, I know, Nate, it was. I just had to pick something, and that's what I went with. So believe it or not, Colorado, they've had a lot of success drafting out of Colorado. Now, what this didn't take into account was how many other draft picks came from these schools that may have not have been successful. Um, and I don't know when the last time was the Steelers drafted someone out of Colorado. The latest one on this list was obviously because look, they went they went ninety two Joel Steed, ninety three Chad Brown, ninety four Charles Johnson, and ninety five Cordell Stewart. So Cordell Stewart was the last one on those list. But it was in four straight years, kind of crazy. But that was an interesting number. I wasn't expecting that, and that's kind of what I like to see whenever I do these kind of things. So I hope that answered the questions. Hey. Keep the questions coming. I'm excited about the schedule coming out. I want to know uh, what, what to expect. I want to know what games I could go to. I want to know all kinds of great numbers like that. I've already said about checking out other, other podcasts, checking out the, the website, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I hope to have a guest next week. Uh, we'll see if that continues to work out. We should be all scheduled and ready to go. Um, until then, I'll take care of yourselves. I'll see you next time. And as I always say, thanks for geeking out. 